We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty of Charge podcast. My name is Steven, and I am the host, as always. Joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? So much better. I'm finally feeling some health. I got to go to the gym today, and it's always rough. You know, you, after you're sick, you go to the gym, and you realize if you miss a couple of weeks, well, you, you can't quite lift as much as you did. Uh, so it was very <laughs> humbling, but happy to be back and kind of exercise those demons. Uh, Steven, how are you? How was your Valentine's Day? Uh, doing great, man. We uh, had, a, had a nice time. We decided to to go out to a, one of our favorite restaurants yesterday. We had a, had a great time. Um, it's It feels weird because we haven't done a show together in, in like, I mean, we recorded for the Chargers, obviously, but we haven't done a show here together since last Tuesday. So it's it feels longer than that. Like, I, I just saw you on Monday, but it feels like I've, it's been longer than that. So it is a weird thing. Um we we had Monday off for for work, and then Tuesday I took a group of our students to tour Cal Poly, and then Wednesday I had a counselor's training. So today was my first day of going to my regular school too. So it like I went up to a kid and I was like, "Hey, do you have a good weekend?" And I was like, "Wait, it's Thursday. Why did I just ask you that?" So timing is very off this week. Is is what I'm trying to say here today? Yeah, I had. Um uh cultural development diversity training thing today at the district so tomorrow we have off and it's a four-day weekend so it's it's i i might have a three-day week basically so yeah. i'll have to tell you about my my lovely day today though after after this yeah 100 and uh you and i were, were talking beforehand uh the x-men series when from when we were kids is coming back so i've i watched the trailer like before I went to work and I've been singing it like all day at work today in my head. So very excited for that. That was definitely a nostalgic moment and uh, really looking forward to the new series. I hope it turns out better than apparently Madam Webb did, which I don't understand who greenlit that. So (laughs) that's technically a Sony thing though, right? Yes. 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 All the Sony stuff just kind of 
kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Um, all right. So we have a, a fun show planned for you guys today. This is our uh, wading into the waters of free agency, if you will. So Tyler and I wanted to discuss the free agents with ties to Jim Harbaugh and Joe Ortiz. I think when we did it, when we had this idea to start it this way, I think we probably pictured a smaller group than what we came up with. Um, so there are 40 names that we were able to find um, that have connections to Jim Harbaugh, either through Michigan or through the 49ers or through or to Joe Hortiz uh, because of his time with the Baltimore Ravens. So it's an extensive list. <laughs> um, we'll discuss a lot of different options here, but I think it's a it's the right way to start our free agency discourse. I think we're exactly one month from the start of the new league year. So uh, this, I know like we're full ahead into draft season, but today felt like the right time to to start our free agency discourse. Yeah, I, d- I do think it is worth talking about all these names. Yes, it's a lot of names, but it's worth talking about. Now you could end up with like my Jim Harbaugh coaching staff candidate video where, you know, I find all these different names and it just ends up being <laughs> Grog Roman and Jesse Minter. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's still worth going through. And I think that the Chargers are in a position this year where they're not going to go get the expensive free agent much like last year, I think, maybe just different names that they'll cycle through. So we'll see who they end up with. But it's good to at least present these names for now. And then eventually we can get into a bit more of an idea of who they could add. Um, because I think that, especially looking at some of the, the PFF projections for these guys in terms of contract, which, hey, if you don't love the grades, that's on you. Go with Brad in these projections. Like by the yeah. time we get to free agency, they're pretty lockstep. So wiggle room for now. But I think it was just good to find some of these guys with you know smaller projections that will add up to a better roster for the Chargers overall. And then, of course, net those comp picks later on that Hortiz has talked about. Yeah, I think, uh, first and foremost, Brad is definitely one of the best in the business when it comes to contract projections. So I know there's some skepticism about, you know, player X getting this kind of contract, especially when it comes to like the Chargers uh, free agents in terms of Austin Eckler and Gerald Everett. Um, but he wouldn't just throw these numbers out there like he like if you look at his free agent rankings, he has like free agency comps in there. He has like what the market is, what the pros and cons of signing the player, like what that player's challenges would be um for the open market so brad brad does a great job of breaking things down hopefully we can have him on the show uh, again as we always have had uh, before free agency so we can you know get some thoughts there as well as as arjun too so um before we dive into the specifics here i guess like my question that how do we start this conversation is looking at specifically austin eckler gerald everett alohi gilman like how much does Joe Ortiz's desire to get the compics going play into their specific situations? Because Jim Harbaugh spoke like pretty glowingly about uh, Austin Eckler. We can talk about Gerald Everett's situation. It's kind of different than Austin Eckler's. And then Alohi Gilman, we've talked about potentially coming back um, because of just like the need at safety. So Tyler, I guess let, let's start there before we get into specifics. What's your thoughts on Joe's specific strategy regarding the in-house big three of free agents if you will honestly i don't think with those three that they don't think much about the compics for those guys if they get one great but i i don't think it's it's gonna matter you know with alohi gilman i don't know what contract he gets it, it won't think it'll play a, too much into it so i think they could just as easily bring back everett bring back gilman eckler is the one i am i feel like 95 percent confident he's not returning despite jim harbaugh talking you know highly of him I just, I just don't see it. I don't see the team operating that way. 
Uh, I could see the Ravens bringing in an Austin Eckler kind of free agent on a one-year deal and letting him go. But I don't really see the Chargers doing that at this stage. I think both sides want a fresh start. Um, either get younger for the Chargers and Eckler finding another contract on their maybe more stable spot somewhere else, um, a consistent role for him. I really think that while Everett should be brought back, I think that, I don't know, I really think it just comes down to Gilman. Now, if Everett, if Everett is not brought back, I think that kind of makes Bowers kind of the pick there in the first round, if it isn't already. If he is brought back, then I think maybe there's some pause there. But otherwise, I really just think it's I just think it's Gilman. I think Gilman comes back. I think he deserves it. I think they kind of have to. They can't have they're going to have two new corners. I don't think they need another new safety on top of that. Yeah, I guess I'll start with Gilman. I think like he's pretty scheme versatile where he can play in different positions. I mean, he's been playing a lot of free safety for the Chargers, which is not really his ideal position. So, you know, looking into you know, kind of like what I picture of like the Jesse Minter defense where I'm hoping Derwin James is more in the slot, more in the box. You're going to need a guy who can kind of play the intermediate level of the field and then also a deep part of the field, which is what Geno Stone did, uh, who is mentioned in, in this slideshow later on. Um, he played the deep part of the field and, and and did so wonderfully for the Ravens. So in your kind of three safety world, like you need a box guy, you need an intermediate guy, you need a deep safety guy. And I think bringing Elohi back just it, it takes the pressure off of going out and signing somebody else or drafting somebody else. This isn't a great safety class as much as I, I do like my guy Cole Bishop and Sione Vaki from Utah. Um, the safety class is pretty underwhelming. Like I think your draft resources are better spent elsewhere. And so just shoring up the safety spot by bringing Elohi back, signing somebody else to play deep safety, um, I, I think is the right approach there. Jared Everett, I think, should come back. I think his film and, and what he's meant to the team would would want me. I would love to see him back, but I just I don't think he's a fit for what Jim Harbaugh, Greg Roman, and company usually like out of their tight end position. Um, at least what they've done historically. There's that they've they've never really had a Gerald Everett type. Like even Vernon Davis, who is able to do things after the catch. Like he's an in, he was an inline guy, like who could occasionally flex out to the slot. Whereas Gerald Everett is like when he's running routes, like he's running routes from the slot exclusively. Like he's not an inline tight end wide receiver. That's what Donald Parham was for the Chargers. So I think Everett and Austin Eckler I both do end up walking. It is going to be interesting to see how the Chargers play the compact formula, who they sign, and how many players they sign to what contracts to try and keep those compacts intact. I'm curious how Gilman would want to play this too and how his camp would want to play this because can't imagine he's that expensive. I don't believe he made PFF's top 150. Um, a lot of players didn't, surprisingly, and I don't think Gilman would make it. So I am curious if he would want to bet on himself on, a, like, let's say, a one-year deal with the Chargers. And if the Chargers themselves would go, hey, we'd be open to that one because we don't want to, we can't spend a ton. But two, let's say you have that Geno Stone kind of year. I forget what the projection is, and we'll get into it in the slideshow. But it's you know, 6 million APY or whatever it is, 5 million APY for Geno Stone. Like you parlay Alohi Gilman, who is pretty solid, into a healthy, solid Jesse Minter, good defense kind of season where the defense isn't the worst defense in the league. You could parlay that into a nice contract, which means a nice conflict for the Chargers in the future. So I, I could see them doing something like that with Gilman. The rest, I, I'm not really so sure. 
Yeah, so uh, Alohi Goman did make the top 150. He was number 137 out of 150 oh. on PFF's free agent rankings. Um, Brad has him uh, projected to have a one-year $2.67 million contract, which for me, that's a that's an easy sign for me. Like, I think, yeah. you know, you're essentially getting, you know, at least average safety play out of Alohi Goman in a less than sure. a $3 million contract. Like, I think that's... You know, I, I think that's an easy sign. He's a leader. He's a playmaker. I, I think that's a no-brainer for me. Uh, for what it's worth, Gerald Everett was at number 83 in this ranking, um, projected as a one-year $5.5 million contract. Um, again, that's a contract that the Chargers will be able to do if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would probably net them a six-round comp pick if they are able to kind of keep that clean. Um, and then Austin Eckler uh, comes in at number 56 overall on this list and is projected from a two-year, $6.75 million per year, $13.5 million total, uh, which, again, if, if kept clean, probably nets them a fifth-rounder, um, mm. at worst a sixth-rounder in terms of that would be a 2025 comp pick. I'm actually looking through at the 2023 rookies for safeties because you and I weren't super in love with the safety class, unless you kind of Brian Branch is a safety. Yeah, I don't think we were like wow. Branch was like the one class, and even then it was like kind of corner slot corner type. Yeah. So the most snaps were Jordan Howden, 569 snaps. Jordan Battle, 524. Like the safety class did really did not contribute last year, even though some of the ones we liked, like a Jartavius Martin. Yeah, um, I know you liked Hickman, I believe. Like Anthony Johnson, I thought would be much better. Barely yeah. played. So, a- assuming that this class, if it's even worse than the last class to come in and, and be a Lohi Gilman, I'm not really banking on that. And frankly, you know, you got to use the second and I think third round picks on a not safety. And so, I, at this point, is it fourth round pick or a Lohi Gilman at two million dollars? You know, in 2024, like that's an easy call for me. Yeah, I, I think so. Last year's safety class, like I, if you can branch as a safety and then uh, Jaquan Martin was a safety, those two guys had really high grades for me. And I think both of them would be safety one and safety two in this class for me. But the the drop off in the safety class was like massive after that. Like the depth of that class was basically non existent. I think there are some, some quality depth options in this class. But it feels like mostly like day back end of day two, day three type of players. And it, it's just it doesn't feel like a group that I'm like dying to invest in, whereas there's some great depth into some other classes here. So um, definitely wanted to start with there. I think we're kind of on the same page regarding the, the quote unquote big three um, on the current Chargers uh, spot. It, it is a, <laughs> a little unfortunate that some of these players did not develop into the way that we had hoped that the chargers could have several potential comp picks incoming instead of just the two um but we'll see what happens there we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, what's up, Chargers fans? Make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before NFL games, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before Chargers kickoff. Hey, it's Tyler from the Guilty as Charged podcast. I'm here to talk about prize picks. PrizePix is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their PrizePix projection. Watch your progress update in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. PrizePix offers frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers. Players can enjoy community-wide promotions, including weekly promotions like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. I've loved using prize picks so far. This week's I've got Justin Herbert with more than 284.5 passing yards and Keenan Allen with more than 82.5 receiving yards. To make your selections, go to prizepicks.com guilty and use code guilty for our first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com guilty and use code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, Tyler, uh, let's get to uh, these free agent targets. Again, these are 40 free agent names connected to Joe Ortiz and Jim Harbaugh. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoy the list. You know, I, I see some good conversations happening in the chat. Um, if you have a question or a comment about one of the specific free agents, we can uh, definitely discuss that. So um, feel free to type away there. Super Chats, obviously, always appreciate it. Alrighty. Uh, no particular order for how these guys are presented here. Yeah. They're grouped by position, but otherwise, I don't like Matabike or however you say his name is next to Hurst. And those are two very different contracts, two very different <laughs> seasons. It just happened to be that way as, as, as I was going through. So, yeah, over 40 players here. Uh, again, all I see some other names in the chat. It's Hortiz or Harbaugh connections. So they were a 49er, which is like, I don't think anybody really. Um, yeah. They were a Raven under Hortiz or they were from Michigan. So 40 of these guys, you find another guy. Great. Let me know. Did not include Tyrod Taylor, by the way, or I think Tyler Huntley is a free agent as well. So apologies. I don't think the Chargers might be in the market for either of those. Guys. I think like we could make a whole other show if we wanted to like really dive deep into like Greg Roman connections and Marcus Brady connections. Yes. This is exclusively Harbaugh and Hortiz. Yeah. So starting off with wide receiver and running back, frankly, I, I don't, feel any of these receivers are ones that we have to bring in that the Chargers absolutely need to sign. You cannot look at last year's draft class and this upcoming class and go, yeah, let's go spend money on a receiver, especially when you have some money on receiver. 
Uh, if they did, I'd get it. There's a name that people really like, former Michigan Wolverine, um, played for the Cleveland Browns for a bit. But um, these guys, you know, Chris Moore, Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, and the other ones we'll talk about, I don't think there was one in here where it's like, yeah, got to go out and get that player. Um, but if they, if they did, I would understand it. I just think this draft class is too good. Yeah, and also from a roster construction, like uh, the Chargers need to get younger at wide receiver, not – you know, more yeah. veteran, more, you know, expensive. Like the the Chargers are probably in a position where they need to double down at wide receiver because you're cutting one of Keenan or Mike. Josh Palmer's a free agent after next season. You don't know what you have in Quentin. So, you know, the Chargers need to get younger at this position. And also, like, they're going to have less volume. So yeah. I, I'm not too keen. If the Chargers needed a punt returner or a kick returner, I could be about it, totally. but I mean, they have an all pro potential. Exactly. Returner, so I think, I think they're generally pretty set at wide receiver in terms of, you know, not being, not having to add a veteran free agent. Yeah. So that they could add a body like a miles Boykin um, or some other guys, um, James Proche or Proche, maybe some of these guys, uh, fun fact, James Proche or Proche, I forgot you say his last name. He averaged 5.1 yards per attempt on kick returns. Um, I had to had to throw that in there. Wait, how is that even possible? I don't know. I don't know. But I was looking. Okay, now I got that's like me. that's like hard to do, man. Yes, this is very difficult to do. Let me triple check. Okay, on kickoff returns in 2023, it says he averaged. I'm oh, sorry. It's his career is 5.1. This oh, past year, but this past year is 6.3. On kickoff return. Wow. Uh, again, I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't really know how that's possible, wow. but I had to include that. That is uh, what a stat. I, I did not know that was even possible. That's like <laughs> what you would expect out of a guy who like is the you know like the fullback who gets like the pooch kickoffs, you know, and just like yeah, rumbles for five yards. I, I don't know what to tell you, uh, but yeah, eight eight career returns. So it's not like it's just one, and yeah. 19 and 22 yards in the two seasons he actually returned it not great no um Odell Beckham Jr I think would have been fun a couple years ago I think he's very well past his prime at this point Mm -hmm. I I I trust Brad I I don't know who is paying 10 million dollars for Odell Beckham (laughs) at this point but it's a big name so yeah It, it it is a big name I don't remember if there was rumors of OBJ wanting the Chargers a year ago, but nothing ever materialized. And this is not the offseason. I think they they do it. Yeah. You know, they had OBJ to pair him with like a Zay Flowers to get that offensive, you know, group going. You have those guys already, I think, for the Chargers. You don't need to go add him. Yeah. So next on the list here, we have uh, Nelson Aguilar, who's uh, just played for the Baltimore Ravens, had one of their uh, a few big plays for them, actually. And then Laquan Treadwell, the former first round pick who's bounced around also played for the Ravens. I think he actually did some return return stuff as well for them this year. Mm. Um, and then the Michigan connection, I think you just alluded to is Donovan Peoples Jones, uh, who currently or most recently, excuse me, played for the Detroit Lions, drafted by the Cleveland Browns. I, I'm not opposed to like a flyer here uh, on some of these guys, yeah. but again, I think the the proper way to adjust the free the wide receiver room is is through the draft for the Chargers. Yeah, I agree. And for those who are watching, uh, there's OTC valuations over the cap valuations on here. If there was no pro football focus one, I tried to find an OTC valuation. It yeah. does say 2023 OTC valuation. So not entirely sure how that translates to what they would actually get. 
but I wanted to put something else up there. Yeah. Yeah. Donovan Peoples Jones is, I think, a popular one among Chargers fans given the Michigan connection. But I just, I, again, with receivers, I think I'm ready to move past this and look at other positions like running back. Yeah. So running back, uh, these are all Ravens guys as that Tyler has on here. Uh, Justice Hill is more of your like third down type. Um, JK Dobbins, uh, unfortunately just like have no idea what he has left in the tank coming off of an ACL and then an Achilles injury, uh, loved him in the draft. He was my very clear cut RB one in that specific draft would have been very happy, uh, if the Chargers been able to draft him that year. And then, um, Gus Edwards, another very popular name out there. Um, he's kind of at least my preference in terms of running back. I don't think he'll cost all that much i don't think brad even has a projection for him so you're probably looking at like two million dollars or less um mm -hmm. had a pretty good season in 2023 as kind of the physical downhill type that i think uh blends well in the greg roman offense yeah i'm all for it however they decide to do it i think whoever it is there will be a free agent running back ad yeah will it be their starter will it be their second guy will it be a bigger guy will it be a scat back i don't know they'll compliment whoever they don't get whoever they get with someone in the draft so if it's gus edwards you want to find a bit more of a pass catcher later fine if it's hill you want to find more of a early down guy fine i think that's how they'll do it i think free agent one draft guy call it a day i think that would be a solid way to jump start this um not sure about blake corum i watched him did not have a fun time <laughs> but that's another story for another time how dare you um no i i think i i i Generally tend to agree. You want kind of uh, a, at least adding two running backs to the room right now, uh, you know, given the current state where Isaiah Spiller and Elijah Dotson are your only running backs on the roster. So you're adding at least two, no matter what form it takes. I think we could yeah. see, you know, maybe even a third somewhere in there um, if they can make things work. But um, I'm on, I'm on board with justice Hill or Gus Edwards. I think they fill different roles and then you can kind of, uh draft the opposite so if you want to sign justice hill to be kind of your third down change of pace back then you can go draft a, an audric estime a braylon allen that kind of bigger body type of running back because um, the, the the ravens and the 49ers always had you know that that one-two punch of kind of the the thunder lightning kind of deal um yep. and so i think it is it, this is a nice balance because the ravens won't sign both of these guys back um so I, I think one of them will get to free agency, and I think the Chargers could just scoop it up. The other one, one year, $2 million, and, and call it good. Yes. Uh, fitness, buddy. We're going to get to this contract projection for Meta BK, and it is, <laughs> it's a lot. Let me get to that one first, and let's see if we feel the same way. It was yeah. an eye-opener for sure. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got offensive line. Try to break it up into interior offensive line, and then tackles. We have Ben Bredesen, New York Giants, interior offensive lineman. Then Kevin Zeitler, the Baltimore Ravens right guard. If you're looking for a right guard, there's plenty of right guards. If you're looking for a center, eh, not a ton of true centers. You're finding some guys that have played center, but not a lot of guys that are just a pure true center. I have a cut candidate in here just to find a center. Uh, I don't know if you have any comments on these offensive linemen, but these are two names. Yeah, Kevin Zeiler's probably not somebody I would be super interested in. And, you know, an older guy on the decline. Um, I think it, it, he's not on Brad's ranking um let me double check i think he i think i think originally i had a filter on where it's just running backs it's like why can't i find anybody okay yeah, so, so zattler zattler's actually at two years 7.5 mil apy yeah so similar to what they, he was worth last year um 
like I said, I, I think you probably are trying to keep the comp picks clean. Zeitler's probably not somebody I would be interested in anyway, um, as an older guy on the decline. Bredesen is is interesting because he does have that mm-hmm. versatility where he's played all three positions along the offensive line. I liked him a good amount coming out of college as well. So I, I think there's you know, a need for the Chargers to get, you know, a, a veteran backup into your offensive lineman, probably a second, just based off of like if you draft a center and you can't really walk into the season with a rookie center and then Brennan Hymas as your two centers, like you do probably mm-hmm. need a quality veteran guy. And so having somebody like Bredesen who's played all three positions, I think yeah. could make some sense for them. I don't think he would be pretty, I don't think he would be very expensive. He knows the kind of scheme that, that Harbaugh wants to run. So that, that would be a, a good choice for me of, of somebody that, you know, it, it checks a lot of boxes for what you're looking for out of a backup into your offensive alignment. Yeah. I, I think they're going to have to, they can't go into this draft without a center. They have to go into the draft with a guy that they're going to go, okay, should we miss out on everyone? Yeah. You're going to be our starter. Yeah. And sure. It seems like a great center class, but they did not draft a single tight end last year. So it can happen. <laughs> you can find other needs or yeah. you can have every guy go right in front of your pick. So, you know, oh, there goes Jackson Power Johnson. Oh, there goes Cedric Van Prant. Oh, there goes Frazier. Like, I, I do think they have to find themselves a starter. Even if it's not your favorite option, they got to find someone who can actually go out there and play and start. And I don't believe this regime would think it's Hymas. Yeah. Yeah, Hymas is more of a zone guy anyway. Um, next one's on here. Uh, Graham Glasgow from the Detroit Lions. Probably the guy I would say is the best player of this interior offensive line group. Mm-hmm. Um, he's mostly been a right guard and he can play some center, left guard every once in a while, but mostly a right guard, like Tyler mentioned. Uh, Mason Cole, formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he was a Michigan guy, right? Or did he play for the Ravens previously? Ooh, I always have these. I should have this in front of me when you were mentioning it. Mason Cole, Mason Cole, Mason Cole, Mason Cole. I have the list in front of me, but trying to remember where I put Mason Cole on here is, is such a <laughs> a chore. Uh, Michigan guy, Michigan guy, 2018 okay. draft pick. Um, okay. Technically not a free agent next year. Uh, I think if you have a center, you're keeping him. But technically, he is a cut candidate. He has no guaranteed money, I believe, and like because they could save yeah. five million by cutting him. Yeah. But still, I think they would keep him. But worth mentioning. Yeah. No, that's that's a good call for sure. Um, you know, it, it would add to that interior offensive line intrigue for me. Um, and then John Runyon is on here. For what it's worth, John Runyon uh, specifically mentioned by Brad in a different article as a potential free agent target of choice. Um, he is somebody who's played uh, left guard and right guard. Uh, his dad played for the Chargers. He played for Michigan. So there's there's a lot of ties here. I would be... I guess that kind of depends how you feel about Zion and Jamari, mm-hmm. because to me, you're signing John Runyon or Graham Glasgow, one of those two, to be a starter for you. You're not signing them to be a backup. So I know that some right. fans are down on both of those young players. I'm not quite ready to sign like a legitimate starter over them. Um, what are your thoughts there? Zion safe. I, I think he's safe. I think you look at, I, as much as everyone is not happy with Zion, I think if you watch the film, you feel better. And frankly, I, I can't see how you take a player who is that talented, that good on tape, that good at the combine, uh, that good of a person, an individual by all accounts, and not turn him into a very, very good player. So I'm thinking this regime feels like they can do that. And I think same with Jamari. The difference yeah. is one player is a first rounder, one player is a sixth rounder. 
So there's a lot of right guards here. Do I think they signed someone to start over Jamari? No, but I think that's I think that's more of a Sawyer McFadden sort of battle discussion sure. than it is a, a signing. Uh, I think if they sign anybody at any spot, it's either a backup guy or a starting center. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I think you can still see what you want to get out of Sawyer. I think the other thing that they could consider if you sign a guy like John Runyon then Jamari just kind of becomes your first offensive lineman off the bench type, and he can play all four four of the five positions, essentially. Um, he's never played right tackle. Obviously, that would be kind of an adjustment for him. Um, but it, it's not the worst thing in the world to have Jamari Sawyer be your, your first uh, offensive lineman off the bench. I still believe that he can be a quality starter, but – yeah you know new regime coming in might look at a six-round pick and say hey you know what like let's let's uh get some veteran competition in here and see kind of how this unfolds but um i kind of would prefer that to be a lower tier free agent because john runyon to me i think i think he's over seven million dollar projected yeah so he's at 6.65 million dollars projected from brad three-year contract that to me is like you're signing him and he's your starter, you know, for the next two years kind of contract. So yeah, I kind of think that if the chargers go free agent offensive lineman, like you mentioned, you, you sign a starting center, that's the easiest one. And then you don't have to deal with kind of, you know, the competition at the end. Yeah, I agree. Um, offensive tackle. Don't think we have to spend too much time on this. The chargers do need a swing tackle. Uh, mm -hmm. Jermaine Illuminor and Michael Onwenu both uh, have probably starting caliber contracts coming their way. Tyree Phillips is an interesting one. He's played both sides, I believe. Um, so that could be a, a potential there. Uh, he was drafted by the Ravens. So, you know, that could be a, an interesting connection there. Uh, the Chargers cannot head into this season with Foster Terrell again as swing tackle. So, you know, I'm on board with signing kind of a cheap backup swing tackle like terry i think again it, it takes a need off the board that the chargers would not have to draft somebody later on yeah i don't think they do either i think with this if it's the same regime i think they do i think with the new regime you're trying to feel better about this tackle heading into the season even if it's a if it's a drafted fourth round tackle or something i don't know every year you like you and i draft a tackle i feel like and it never really <laughs> plays for the chargers it's more of an interior guy which is fine i'm glad you're adding linemen but have to add a tackle uh, and if you look at this list overall and what we've talked about what we will talk about there's so many ravens players on here we go well that guy was on the team that guy was on the team because they just kept adding guys i mean rock yasin we'll talk about later he barely had to play for them but that's mm -hmm. a nice third fourth guy to have on your roster so i think that's how they'll yep. approach this tackle spot yeah i agree tight end uh not a great group in terms of connections um there's some free agents out there for sure but your best bets are Max Williams, who did not play last year, and Ben Mason, who did not. Oh, sorry, I think he had one snap last year, but he's one career snap, uh, and it was one snap against the Steelers. So there's that. Uh, but you know, he's a, he's listed as like a fullback, tight end <laughs> kind of hybrid, yeah. and that's the best I got. So Max Williams, who didn't play last year, Ben Mason, who's played one career snap. Um, if that doesn't tell you that they should draft Brack Bowers because they're literally out of options, or bring back Gerald Everett, uh, I don't know what does. Yeah, uh, Ben Mason, I think I liked him a decent amount as a fullback at Michigan. Um, and fun fact, the Ravens have drafted three fullbacks since Joe Ortiz became director of college personnel. Um, so maybe that is a position that I need paying attention to for day three. I will not be watching fullbacks personally, 
Um, but uh, I do think the Chargers will have a fullback type on the roster next year. I'm fascinated by if we watched fullbacks, how much Xander Horvath would have shot up our boards based on RAS and what he yeah. did. But, you know, I don't know yeah. how people evaluate There's, fullbacks. I'm still also kind of bitter about the whole Bobby Holly thing. Like, we watched a fullback that we loved, yeah. and then they cut him, and that was just... I will not be doing that again. <laughs> yeah, never again. <laughs> the defensive side of the ball, very intrigued by yes to see how the Chargers handle this because there are a ton of needs on defense. Yeah, plenty of needs, and I think this is a spot where you just kind of go mercenary in a way and find some of these cheaper guys. Not that these guys in particular are as inexpensive, but um, at edge, Malik Harrison, Jadavion Clowney, Kyle Van Noy. Clowney obviously being the most productive of the three, 71 pressures and 10 sacks. Even I didn't realize it was that many pressures last year. Yeah. Uh, so good for him. The projection, mostly because he's older and you know going to another team. He's projected at one year, $9 million. So that's pretty reasonable. I think the Chargers could add a third edge rather than you know having to draft one or, or see how that works out. Uh, Kyle Van Noy, his projection, one year, $3.33 million. I think... Don't think he'd rule out a return because it's a new regime. You know, if you feel bitter about the previous regime, uh, they're gone. So I think that the guy that brought you in, I think you'd want to maybe, you know, and I guess that Hortiz specifically didn't. But I think that it could happen. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think Van Oy could be a possibility. He still lives in L.A. Uh, I know yeah. that he loves living in L.A. So uh, I, I think he's spoken pretty positively about the Harbaugh experience. I think you'd be open to playing for Jim. He loves playing for John. Um, and you get to come back to a, a room where you're kind of familiar with the players there. Obviously, he doesn't he doesn't know no Thule, but Khalil or Joey presumably will still be on, on the team. And uh, you, you have some other teammates left over. Derwin would still be here. So I, I wouldn't rule it out. I, I think if you head into next season with – Khalil, Thule, and Kyle Van Oy your three main edge rushers. I think that's a ton of fun. I think he knows this system pretty well. I think he fits the system. Yeah. You know, I think you have a lot of versatility there between Van Oy and um, Thule. So I think I'm in favor of this. I know people uh, wanted him back last year, and then he played better this year. 48 mm -hmm. pressures, nine sacks is nothing to, uh, nothing to seize that. So I, I would be in favor of a return, especially at that contract. I think that's, that's kind of a no-brainer to me. Yeah, I would agree. Not much at all. Solid production. LA, great. Check. Similar defensive scheme. Check. I assume Minter McDonald will be pretty translatable, uh, easy for him. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. All, all good there for sure. A couple of other names. Uh, Frank Clark, barely played in 2023. Not everybody's favorite. Um, Josh, how do you say Uche? Uche, yeah. Okay, Josh Uche, uh, 37 pressures, three sacks last year. Supposed to get 7.25 mil in terms of projections. You know, pretty pricey, but uh, good connection there. And then Mike Dana, more of a defensive tackle, defensive end type. Probably too expensive at $8.25 million. And that's a three-year deal projection. So I don't think that's happening. Any thoughts on these guys? Yeah, Josh Uche is interesting because he he does kind of hit fit that, like, designated pass rusher role that Michigan has liked to have, that Harbaugh, both Harbaugh's have liked to have. 7.25 is is a bit much for what I would be willing to pay at that edge rusher spot because he's not going to be a starter, you know, unless you move on from both Khalil and Joey, um, which I think would be kind of kind of foolish, but uh, that's just my opinion there. Um, he is training with Coach Ed, so we know that the Chargers have at yeah. least previously valued a lot of Coach Ed's guys. 
Um, he's he's a good player. I think he's the best player of this group. But um, Mike Dana would be interesting to me. Again, like you mentioned, the, the price there is is probably too much. But having that defensive tackle, defensive end type to mm-hmm. play around with Thule, I think, is is a lot of fun. That is something that I think the Chargers could draft. Yes. Um, so I, I think this tier is probably too old on the far left. Um, and then the <laughs> other ones are probably too expensive. Yeah, I think I agree there. Uh, we'll get to the interior defensive line here. Definitely a group that the Chargers need to address in free agency um, because as it currently stands, you have Morgan Fox, Otito Ogbonia, and uh, Christopher Hinton as your three main ones on the roster. So got to do some work at the defensive tackle room. Um, Brent Urban was a former Baltimore Raven. He's kind of like your, uh, from a body type, kind of like a souped up Morgan Fox. He's a little bit taller, long, uh, leaner, but he plays that kind of role. Same thing for Carl Davis. And then Chris Wormley, um, he's Michigan and Baltimore here. So uh, any thoughts on this trio, Tyler? I feel like this is the kind of free agent the Chargers would operate with. Just a quality, I guess, uh, low cost. Find your Christian Covington sort of type with a connection that you've worked with before. So I, I definitely think they can go with a route more like this. And not so much uh, Justin Metawike, whose contract is currently <laughs> projected at four years, $23 million APY, yeah. which is a lot. Yeah, a lot to say the least. There's a chance that he pushes uh, for defensive tackle number two on the free agent market, only behind Aaron Donald, who is an outlier, still at like $30 million per year. Um, Justin Metawike deserves this. I mean, he is one of the best and most disruptive into your defensive lineman to to sign this to uh play last season theoretically the chargers could get there if they rip the bandaid off and you get rid of the whole big four and then you have the cap space to make this work but is he worth all of that i think it's a lot of cap gymnastics that you would have to do to sign justin matabike plus you're betting on one breakout season being the norm going forward because you're you're paying for past production, you're also paying for future production when it comes to this kind of contract. So, four years, twenty three million dollars per year. You're you're paying him with the intention that he is probably a future best into your pass rusher in the league type. Mm-hmm. Once Aaron Donald starts to slow down, theoretically, once to start starts to slow down, once Chris Jones starts to slow down, I just I can't see the Chargers really making that work. Yes, and for those wondering, uh, the way I have it is four by $23 million. I mean, that is four years, $23 million. And as I have an APY there, um, that's per year. So that's $23 million per year, not $23 million over the course of four years. If that were the case, that's a completely different finance (laughs) for me, dude. Um, In which case, Brad's projections would be terrible and awful and wrong. Uh, No, that's very unlikely to happen. I would almost get it but that's a complete gutting of your roster for one defensive tackle who is very good uh but it, you know it's it's a little bit much for me right now and it seems like it's a good defensive tackle class uh yeah. very much polar opposite maurice hurst 18 <laughs> pressures two sacks 14 stops this past year uh with the browns projection one year at 1.75 million dollars that feels like a nice range to settle in not that i'm trying to be cheap here but we know what the chargers cap situation yeah. is we don't know how much money they have until they have as much money as they have right now, it's negative $43 million. So got to, got to operate <laughs> with those things in mind. Yeah. You know, Arjun pointed this out, you know, questioning 
Morgan Fox's long-term or not long-term, I guess, short-term fit with the Chargers. Um, Michigan and the Ravens do like to have kind of a, a pass rusher type, i.e. Justin Matabike. Um, but generally speaking, they're still like around 305 pounds. They're bigger, longer athlete types, uh, which Morgan Fox is really not at this point. And uh, he's never been that guy, obviously. But Maurice Hurst, from an athletic profile standpoint, would fit what they would like. Um, you know, he he was a Michigan guy. Michigan defense has changed a lot since then. Um, but I, I would not be opposed to this, especially if you're talking about a world where Morgan Fox is, is potentially not on the team. Yeah, I agree. Alrighty, last but not least, linebacker and defensive back. Why do they combine? I don't know. I just that's how I do it. Also, I see I have the number two here. Uh, definitely not the second thing here. Look, some things fall to the wayside when you're doing forty free agents. Um, one very expensive free agent, one not so much. Uh, Patrick Queen projected at eighteen million dollars APY. That is a heck of a comp pick the Ravens will get for that contract. Should that be the contract that he gets? Uh, Devin Bush Jr., Kaliki Hudson, or Kaliki Hudson, not so much. I think the Chargers could go this route go Dayon Henley go veteran other guy to pair with Navarro Bowman um we're not paired with but to be coached under Navarro Bowman yeah officially the linebackers coach yeah officially yep okay so only one is technically not official is Hardwick even though he confirmed it but no Chargers tweet I don't think no, um, so I, I, could, I could definitely see them going the veteran route again here I think with defense in general they're gonna find those four guys that they can combined pay under $10 million. Uh, Patrick Queen, not happening. Not happening. And even if the Chargers did have money, I would not be in favor of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> that contract for Patrick Queen is uh, a tad ridiculous to me. I think, like, obviously the, the scheme fit would be very parallel to what he's experiencing. But um, this is a guy who like, I still think is, like, very specific to a role where he can only play in a handful of places. Like, if you are uh, the Detroit Lions and you want to go pay a linebacker, theoretically, I think they're set at linebacker, but hypothetically speaking, like you can't put Patrick Queen in that same defense. Like it just it just doesn't make sense. Uh, as Josh has pointed out, very high missed tackle rate still in his breakout season. Just does not make any sense. Devin Bush, Kalik Hudson, I would be fine with. Um, I, I think you could definitely you know, make an argument that the Chargers do need a, a veteran presence in the linebacker room. Um, if you headed into the season with Dayon Henley, Nick Neiman, a rookie of sorts, and then Eamon Ogbong-Mamiga as your four, like, I think you can take some lumps of that position and kind of figure it out. But I, I think you could also say, hey, man, like, let's sign a veteran. Maybe he's our linebacker three. Let's have a competition. Uh, I, I'm not opposed to that world where you're paying a million point six or 3.6 for a potential veteran linebacker. I'm almost wondering if we're jumping the gun too early on Kendricks being the guy that's cut. That tends to be something we do every simulation, but if yeah. this linebacker class isn't great and your other options are cheap, but not really a starter or Patrick queen is way too expensive. I could see them keeping Kendricks for another year to try to see if we can actually find what you have in day on Henley, someone else you draft in you know, day three or whatever. I just think they might be quote unquote stuck at that spot, but we'll see. Yeah, I guess I, I it's not impossible that Eric Hendrick sticks around, but everybody he signed here to play under left, obviously. Um, and I think that from a financial standpoint, it just is an easy decision, you know, for these. Yeah. 
I think he would be kind of a, a bad fit in the Jesse Minter defense too. So I am assuming that he is he is gone, but uh, assumptions are kind of a dangerous game at, at some point too. <laughs> All right, some cornerbacks. We have Rock Yasin, Jordan Lewis, David Long, the first three that are up here. Uh, Rock Yasin, more of an outside corner. David Long, more of an outside corner. Play with uh, the Raiders and then the Panthers this past season. I'm very curious what the Chargers feel is the priority here or who can actually play in what spots here. Um, I think if you're using a round one or a first round pick on a player, it's not really a slot corner, although that was kind of the debate with someone like Trent McDuffie, who ended up being pretty good um, and doing a lot of other stuff for Kansas City. Um, I think Jordan Lewis is kind of possible for the Chargers here, given that they don't really have a slot corner. And I think they desperately, desperately needed one last year. Um, I don't know what his tackling numbers are specifically, but I think that just given how much he's played, I, I could see them going this route. Uh, four TDs. Does that mean four TDs allowed? Against. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So not necessarily great there, but um, the Chargers will need to address the slot position. I, I think it would be easier for them to address outside corner in the draft. Um, so I, I do kind of tend to agree if you could play pay for a slot corner to come in and I don't think just here Taylor's a starter, but you know, at, at least have some competition. But if that's Jordan Lewis, I'm cool with it. I think his background is pretty zone heavy. So I think that could be a pretty easily translatable mm. situation for him too. So he's played a lot of zone under uh, Dan Quinn and that group. So I would be in favor of that, you know, $2.28 million yeah. for a, a quality stock corner. We saw what that did for yep. Bryce Callahan. So I, I think that's an easy position that you pay for just to kind of stabilize and have to not worry about that in the draft or anything like that. Yeah, I agree. After or maybe with running back and center, I feel like corner is the next one you pay some veteran guy to be out here, whether it's slot guy outside. They got to make it work. They'll find one of these guys. Could be Lewis. Yeah. Uh, a couple of safeties, Chuck Clark, Deshaun Elliott, and Geno Stone. Geno Stone, of course, the, I guess, current Raven, Raven former Raven. Um, so he's projected at two million or excuse me, two years, six point five million APY. Could go there. More of a bit of a more of a free safety type. Deshaun Elliott. Um, PFF's valuation is one year, four million dollars. Uh, but then Chuck Clark played a lot for Baltimore. Then he was traded to the Jets. Then and then tore his ACL. So obviously the the injury isn't great. But he also played, as I wrote here, three thousand snaps, like a thousand snaps every year. Yeah, three years leading up to that. So I think that. Could be intriguing. Like for the Ravens, Chuck Clark played a lot of snaps. That's definitely possible there if they move on from Alohi Gilman. Yeah, I I would be in favor of Chuck Clark or Deshaun Elliott. I I love Geno Stone coming out of the draft. I think paying him that kind of contract where you're paying him $13 million, you're you're betting on a breakout season. You're you're paying him at his peak production at coming off of seven interceptions. That's a bit dicier. Um, I, I think the fit would be obviously super clean. I would love to see that kind of production, obviously, at free safety. Um, but I, I, I'm i of the mindset that the Chargers should pay two veteran safeties, whether that's Alohi Gilman and somebody else or two somebody else's. I'm of the mindset that you solve that position in free agency. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. whether it's a cheap guy and a mid-tier guy like Deshaun Elliott, whatever you want to do in that pathway, I think this is, uh, again, a, a safety draft class that has some deep options to it but if you're really trying to 
grab like a reliable starter, I think you have to do that in the draft and in free agency, in free agency, excuse me. So bring back Alohi Gilman, bring in Deshaun Elliott, and you just you have three reliable veteran safeties that you can trust to use on a regular basis. So that that's my mindset at safety. I I, I think that's the one position group where you should go definitely out and add multiple guys. Jesse Minter's defense requires reliable safety play. It doesn't necessarily require elite safety play, but you got to have guys you can trust to play multiple roles, handle different responsibilities. And I think it's just easier to acquire that in free agency. Yeah. So just looking at the last two seasons for Mike McDonald, the Ravens had someone play about 400 coverage snaps as a third safety both those years so yeah uh, that's a lot of snaps for a, a player paying them i would completely understand even if a little he's that third guy i think you feel much better about that yeah 100 we made it guys last two <laughs> ronald darby and <laughs> daryl Worley. uh two guys again baltimore baltimore more baltimore ravens guys mostly because of the connection sure but they yeah. the, like darby is a guy they brought in um or they drafted Either drafted and brought back in. Now he's currently playing for them. Um, more options here. Didn't play a ton. Not going to cost them a, a ton. Both outside corners. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm i kind of comfortable with Dean Leonard being outside cornerback three. Is that too rich for you? I don't think it is if you assume that his trajectory continues and that with good defensive coaching that he will continue that ascension. So as of where he was last year, no. But there was a big jump between one first year one to year two. You make that same jump to year three, I'm feeling I would feel okay with it. I still think you got to find someone else just to be sure. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's just too much faith in one player. Unless your slot corner can also play outside quite a bit. Or some sort of yeah. flexibility there. Um, I think he should still be CB four. Yeah. So what I'm picturing, like the Chargers room, is Asante, a veteran slot corner, and a yeah. rookie outside corner that you're taking in the first three rounds. Me too. That's your starting trio, and mm-hmm. then Dean Leonard is your CB four, but outside cornerback three. <sighs> You'd have, you'd have to you have to convince me on the flexibility of that slot corner veteran that you signed. I, I okay. still think Dean should be the outside corner for, okay. even if that's rich. I, I think you could, I think you'd be, or draft someone to be competition there. Yeah. Okay. So again, I think cornerback outside wise, I think you draft that guy in the first three rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Hernandez asking right now about Mike Davis. 100% not a scheme fit for Jesse Minter. Uh, I think that's pretty clear that Michael Davis needs to be in a man-heavy scheme, and that's just not what Jesse Minter is is going to be doing. Yeah. Although it is the opposite year now, so he's got good year, bad year, good year, bad year. <laughs> so we're, we're on good year now. Yeah. Would be fantastic if, like, the Colts, say, for example, gave him a, a nice little contract, but mm-hmm. can't really see that happening. Um, all right, let's get to some of these super chats real quick and then we'll head out for today. We have uh, one good. from Envy Talent, who uh, it, we don't usually get to see during the week, he's usually a Saturday guy, and we don't do Saturdays anymore. So, 
Appreciate Amy Town for jumping in here. He says, are there any problems we may be overlooking with the stripping of Michigan defensive staff transitioning to the pros? And then he says, also, what is Jim's offense and high? Jim's offense is Greg Roman's offense, and we've seen yeah. that, although I believe there will be some variation to it. Uh, again, never had a run game or pass game coordinator with Roman and Harbaugh back at the 49ers, so things could change. Uh, problems with stripping that defensive staff, transitioning to the pros, not really in my opinion i don't i'm not too worried about that uh it's nice to know that mcdonald did it although they didn't strip the entire defensive staff it wasn't a complete exodus of the program but i feel like you feel good about that translating because we just saw it it'll take some time the ravens have drafted better they had more guys in place but i think that we feel okay about it overall yeah i'm not i can understand why somebody would be concerned i'm not at that point, I think they have enough NFL experience with Jesse Minter, Navarro Bowman, and the staff is not complete. Like there are still other coaches that could come in and and coach up other roles. So I, I think the key thing that Jim Harbaugh wanted to get out of this hiring cycle was to have consistent, like schematic continuity that he wanted to be able to have all these guys who can translate what they're trying to do to the players at the level that it requires. I think that it's it's great and dandy to have all of these high-quality NFL coaches, but if you have to teach those coaches the scheme, it's not the same thing as people who yeah. already know it teaching the players the scheme. So I think scheme, schematic continuity was definitely the goal of, of how they, they approached this defensive staff. And honestly, the defense is probably going to be pretty young uh, across the mm -hmm. board. So having guys who are fresh out of college is not necessarily the worst thing with this kind of group because like Derwin's a veteran, Khalil's a veteran, but they're not going to have a ton of other veterans starting and playing key roles for them. And it, I do think it is going to be kind of a younger defense anyway. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this won't be, you know, to your point, that the scheme should be similar. Like they're all coming together. So it should be very translatable. With someone like Brandon Staley looking back at that, there were a lot more guys out of, uh, Iowa, I believe, was uh, the running backs coach, Derek Foster, yep. out of Tennessee. Those Derek different Hansen, spots. Yeah. Um, Akron, Akron, I forgot how you say it, sorry. Um, you know, I think that maybe didn't help having... They wanted a hive mind of very different approaches, and I don't think that helped as much. This is very different. Now it's mostly from one program. Yeah, you know, and, and a lot of those guys were from different schematics different yeah you know, roots like Derek Anzi was an Alabama defensive guy which is has some similarities to what Michigan was doing but you know Alabama's defense was very like three four heavy and like they had some three three five principles to it uh, it was a lot more man coverage whereas Jesse Minter's defense is a lot more zone so I, I think it's it's important to have guys who are, have been in the system can translate right away they don't need to be taught it I, I think that can that can help too Mm -hmm. um, from nature's calls he says that we should watch ben sinnott or sinnott or however you say it uh the tight end slash fullback from kansas state he's definitely on my list um we both use caddies cutups to watch all 22 film and they do not have very much tight end tape so hopefully getting to uh the rest of the tight end group soon here yes very soon although offensive tackles is on the deck next for us on saturday yes 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 uh, and be back again here. How many top 100 picks would satisfy us? I say five. Yeah. So they have four, if you count, not if you count, they have pick 106. So that's about four. Um, 
It's really just three. But five would be great. Five in the top 106 would be fantastic. And if you can acquire you know, another one in the sixth round, cool. Awesome. Yeah, I think... So to get to five, that would probably require at least two trade backs. I don't know how likely that is, but you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna doubt Joe Ortiz, but because <laughs> I, I I just tend to think that the Chargers are not gonna get a top 100 pick for any of the players that they potentially trade. I know that people right. are really hoping for that, but um, you know, we we kind of tried to pull some cold water on the trade talk, and people were like, no, like they like. Clumax coming off of an elite season, like somebody will definitely trade a second round pick for him. And then Brad Spielberger wrote an article with a Clumac trade in it, and it was for a 2025 fourth round pick. Yeah. And people were like, that's ridiculous. I'm like, I, again, I'm going to trust Brad on that. Um, I just think that for these players that the Chargers are potentially trading, they're not going to get a top 100 pick in this year's draft. So to get five, you got to trade down a couple times, which is certainly possible. But you know, I, I think four is probably the minimum that you're hoping for. Yeah, we looked at some different trades. And look, someone can totally overpay. It happens all the time. Someone could be desperate, totally. But yeah, probably that fourth round pick next year. If it's a if it's a pick this year, and the projection is fourth round next year, that'll be about a fifth rounder this year. So yeah, yeah, I that's about it, guys. And that and that is the most. Keenan Allen's staying, like he is staying, and he thinks he's staying, and I, he is staying. So Mac is the next best option to be traded, I think, to get the most value, I think. And that's only a fifth-round pick next year. Fourth-round pick next year. Yeah, like Eddie's saying in the chat, like I, I I love Kalu Mac. I think he should stay on the Chargers, but I just don't see a way where you're getting a third-round pick and a sixth-round pick in return for him right now at this stage of his career. You know, he is going to be 33 next season. He's a free agent. He's an expensive free agent contract. So it just, the trade package is not going to be what you want. That's what I'm going to say now. Uh, last thing here, we're, we're not going to spend a, a ton of time on the coaching staff today, but mm. people were kind of freaking out about the Mark Tressman hire. Yeah, this um, is weird. <laughs> so it, like, what are your thoughts here? Uh, I meant to put this one in here from opinions on the Tressman hire hearing mixed opinions. Um, any final thoughts on Mark Tressman before we head out for tonight? Senior offensive analyst. I think that maybe it, it's not, you know, offensive coordinator. It's not pass game coordinator. I think as senior offensive analyst, I think it's fine, guys. It's not some really, really big role. It's going to determine the fate of Justin Herbert. And yeah. if Herbert has a rough season, I'm not going to say, ah, Tressman, I knew it. Or, or something. <laughs> I just don't think you could have that much. So, you know, maybe there's a slight edge there, given he's worked in, in multiple systems, I guess, um, like different leagues is what I'm saying. Uh, so maybe there's some sort of advantage there, pulling ideas. Um, I, I think it was Harbaugh who would, at several points, hire different guys to, you know, hire an offensive guy to be like a defensive analyst or vice versa. And so I just think having another opinion in the room is great. There really isn't much here, though. But this, it was so weird because he got they hired him. There's so many other names. It was like, ah, oh, Mark Trustman. And then other fans of other teams are like, ha ha, you got Trustman. It's like, guys, it's a senior offensive analyst. Like, it's not going to be the deciding factor, I don't think, on game day. No, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys out there that ha hire this kind of role just to, like, fill in some gaps. Like, I think that's what you're trying to get here. 
Um, like the Rams had Jay Gruden as like a senior offensive analyst. It, it, it's really somebody who is watching film, doing scouting reports, you know, just, just is kind of an extra resource that you, you don't really necessarily use a ton. Um, Mark Tressman, I think he has a ton of experience. He's been an offensive coordinator with John Harbaugh. He's been a head coach. Um, he also was Marcus Brady's mentor in the CFL. So there is a lot of schematic overlap there. In terms of a senior offensive analyst, the Chargers didn't have one under under Brandon Staley. Um, they didn't have a defensive senior analyst either. So it, it just is kind of personal preference. Like he's kind of just like that extra resource that some people like to have so that on the staff. And I think it, it, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> like people were like, he was terrible as the Bears head coach. It's like, yes, that's why he was fired and why he hasn't been a head coach. <laughs> um, as a senior offensive analyst, this is fine. Uh, he loves Justin Herbert for what it's worth. He was working with the 33rd team last year and, and wrote a wonderful article about Justin Herbert after the Packers game, I believe, um, and still thought that Justin Herbert was playing at a top five level MVP mm -hmm. kind of caliber player. So uh, continuing the theme of hiring guys who love Justin Herbert, if you will. I can't imagine you hire someone who's like, ah, oh, no, nah, not Herbert. <laughs> that Justin Herbert guy sucks, but yeah, yeah. hire me. <laughs> hey, man, I think Acho could have 49ers, Michigan, Ravens ties, and I still don't think they'd hire him. <laughs> Likely we do not have to listen to that guy at the podium. Um, we, get, we get Navarro Bowman as our linebacker. Yeah. Um, once the Chargers have every spot filled on the coaching staff, we'll give further thoughts there. Um, because obviously there's a lot to dive into the Nick Harwick mm -hmm. thing. Super cool. Very excited to see how that one works out. Yep. Um, he was the reason why I played center. I wore number 61 in high school because of him. So pretty excited about that one. Um, but like I said, we'll, we'll talk about the entire coaching staff once it's officially finalized, uh, hopefully in the next week or so. Yeah. Exciting stuff. I mean, Nick Harwick, we got Navarro Bowman, uh, everyone is saying, yeah, Philip Rivers next. I don't know. I feel like it's a half a percent now more likely, but still, I don't think it's going to yeah. happen. He's very happy coaching high school football. His son is a sophomore next year. So I, I'm never going to say never about Philip Rivers coaching in the NFL, but I, I'm pretty confident that he will not be coaching in the NFL while his son is still in high school. No. When the rest of his kids show up and they're not as good, I don't know, maybe he leaves. But <laughs> go out on top with the with the, the high school title. Yeah, shout out Gunnar Rivers, man. Lighten up the high school scene in Alabama. So uh should be fun to watch that one come out. It makes me feel so old. Antonio Gates' son is is in next year's draft class. So mm -hmm. yeah. Although I don't know if he's a draftable player or not, but he's draft eligible, I guess, at least. That's wild. I almost feel like it's it's rite of passage to go undrafted. See if you can break every record and not make the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. I uh <laughs> I had for the first time I met with a, a student of mine today that was a freshman born in 2008, which is when I was a freshman in high school. So that was kind of like, a, oh, my gosh, I'm so old moment for me today. So there we go. Oh, man. Yeah. Now they're doing like the, you know, like when we were kids for spirit day, do like, oh, 70s. Now it's 80s. 2000s day. Yeah. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I was just there. <laughs> oh, I lived those days. <laughs> also, like that's not as long ago. I don't know. No, I, I, like seventies. You know, we were like late two thousands. We were in like middle school, high school. Yeah, I don't know. Two thousands. Like, come on, guys. 
we were ha- having a conversation after that one. I went out to to our learning center, was having a conversation with my coworkers, and like one of my my closer coworkers, he's uh, he just turned fifty, and like we were having this conversation about feeling old, and one of the students was like, "Hey, Mister Fisher, like, were you in World War II? What was that like?" <laughs> There's no concept of time for these kids. I mean, no. Like, oh, what's the oldest date you can think of? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was a fun one though. He was like, "What the hell? I'm not that old." <laughs> World War II was like 90 years ago. <laughs> oh, man. oh man, I'm Jeez. not ready for those times, but not yet. Not I'm yet. not old. I'm not like 30. Yeah, ah, I got yet. one more year to say that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man good stuff good stuff uh all right you guys that's gonna do it for us today i uh, appreciate all of you for tuning in hopefully you enjoyed the 40 plus names here they they can't all be justin matabike's but we had uh steve was a world war ii thank you jorge <laughs> thank you um they can't all be justin matabike's but a lot of fun connections to potentially talk about there um we'll dive more into external free agent targets uh, i love doing free agency targets even though the chargers Actually, the Chargers have signed a few free agents that we've wanted them to. Some have obviously turned out better than others, um, but it's a fun time to talk about it. One month left there, combine in a couple of weeks, so we'll get a lot more intel of, of how the Chargers are going to use uh, that resource. So it should be a lot of fun here uh, coming up in the, the the beginning of the offseason. So I guess technically this is our first GAC channel episode of the 2024 season, Tyler. Now that the Super Bowl's over. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You're correct. So there look we go. at that. Happy 2024 season, y'all. Um, all right, guys. We uh we'll be live back again on Saturday. Uh we'll do a QA and then we'll be talking about the uh the hog mollies, offensive tackles, and how the Chargers could potentially address that position. So you already know I'm super excited about that one. Appreciate all of you for tuning in. Hopefully you have a good rest of your night and weekend, and we'll see you next time as always. Bolt up. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.